0: Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. What an unusual year. How many times have you heard me say that in the last 10 months? And we're going to go through one more season, mm, well, I guess maybe two seasons, before we've said, okay, we did that already last Valentine's Day and last Easter. We're on to how it is to live in a pandemic environment. We hope we don't have to continue this way for the rest of our lives. But this is our first Christmas, our first Thanksgiving, our first Advent series during these unusual times. So I want to remind you of some tools that we always make available We still have some Advent candles. We were blessed to get a small supply this year. Uh, Lighting the candle down with your children, with your mother, with your grandmother, with someone who may be living with you. Just the joy of lighting it every day and reading a passage of scripture. The candle starts on December 1 and goes straight through away in the manger till the 25th. And there's a scripture reading that goes with it. So those are available, they're inexpensive 8 dollars a piece and if you order them today, you'll get them very close to the beginning of Advent. There's also a lovely book written by a friend of mine. His name is Ted Weasley. He was a guest on our show a few months ago and this is an Advent devotional reading, let every heart prepare him room and there are readings for every day. Great time of the year to pick up an Advent book, a Christmas readings book. I'm going to be reading some things to you from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Spurgeon and numbers of men and women and Voskamp who have written materials about Advent. We're also making available something we did during 2016, which is four years ago. And it was, for young families particularly, a list of supplies. Most of the things you have in your house, construction papers, scissors, tape, uh, crayons, etc. And then a project to do with children for every day of the month. Now, you're not going to do every one of them. I understand that. But we provided them and they all have a Christ-centered focus. So we're adding that to our regular podcasting. We're just re-airing it. So if you get this voice that sounds different or it's talking about Something that doesn't look pandemic ish. That's me only four years ago. Okay. I hope you will enjoy that. I have decided to talk to you about something that's been, I've been wrestling with again, and that's finding rest in God. Finding rest in God. So the next few times we're together, that's what I want to talk about. So, what is rest? What is rest? To sleep, to stop working, a cessation of activities. What is rest? Rest is a piece of music. It's a breath or a stopping of striking of the keys just long enough to change the rhythm. The rhythm. And I love some of these rhythm words like routine and rhythm and rituals. Did you ever have a ritual that saved you? I have. A ritual that I know to do that I don't feel like doing a ritual that I know is good for me, but I don't feel like doing it. And rest is the kind of ritual or rhythm in our lives that's essential to us, and sometimes we don't feel like doing it. We all agree that we should rest. We all agree that resting is stopping. My going and going and going and going. Um, I am a goer. I have boundless energies. This is the first year of my life that I've had uh, what I call a limitation on my enormous capacity. And people have said to me for so many years, keeping up with you is impossible. I think I took a little pride in that actually. But in the last 22 years, since I started taking a regular Sabbath rest, I'm going to describe that to you a little bit each time we meet, I was reading a Martin Luther biography. I want you to realize how odd that is, okay? A Martin Luther biography. I'm not Lutheran. I love reading church history things, but it was in that book that he mentioned a habit of his, and he called it leisure time with God. And I was puzzled. Uh, If I had a mustache, I would have pulled my mustache. I certainly wiggled my eyebrows and wondering, what does leisure time with God look like? And so I took the word leisure, which is a word we all are familiar with, and I thought, okay, I'm going to follow this wherever God will lead me. And I began by literally going into a quiet room in our house in those years and setting aside two hours I had no idea what I was going to do. I just had a pad of paper and a pen and my Bible and a couple of books. And I went in and sat down. I'll never forget that sitting down because I was starting a new rhythm, a a new routine, but I didn't know what that was. I just felt the call from God to find rest in him. God has shown me so much about who he is he knows me and he can care for me and he wants me to know him. I came to passages that are very familiar Matthew 11 and 29, where he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. What, what, rest for what? Rest for your soul. In light of my search for rest, this passage surprised me as I did not know that my soul was not resting. My soul was working and doing and getting tired. Jesus' rest is not a rest from work, but a rest in your work. Can I say that again? The rest that he's speaking about in Matthew, a rest for your soul, is not from work, it's resting in work. And what does resting in work mean? How do I get that? How do I become a good member of the Western civilization, the culture that I live in that says I want it and I want it now? You you hear me tell stories all the time about The surprise I have when they say, you're going to have to wait for 15 seconds. They have to tell me that in advance because they're afraid. After a second, three, or four, I'm going, ah, la, 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 la. And have you ever done that? You know, you expect your computer to go bing, and it doesn't go bing, and you have a disgruntled thought, or your face starts to drop, and you think, is it going to start? We're so used to the fast, not fast, but faster, not faster, but faster still. Rest in work was not inactivity, but rather a harmonious working of all the faculties and affections I had. Of the will of my heart, it was satisfaction and contentment, and it looked in all sorts of ways. So under the law, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, there was a Sabbath day. It was rigidly kept as a part of rules and regulations of the Jewish nation. The rest Jesus brings is a perpetual Sabbath rest that is available to believers, those who follow Christ. And in the next few days I want to offer some ideas about this rest in God, this mental rest, this attention to his voice rest, this creating a rhythm, a ritual, a routine, a detaching from old habits like hurry, hurry, and habits. And then, what does it take to stop and rest in Jesus? And what does it take to stop and rest in Jesus while you are still working? Well, I'm not uh, a catechism. Uh, Person, so often we use catechism as uh, part of a liturgical church, but the Heidelberg Catechism, which was a Lutheran product, I believe, to begin with, um, said, What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of Heaven? And the answer is that the Eternal Father, Lord, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules, is God the Father and Christ the Son, and I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and he will turn to my good whatever adversity sends me in this sad world." I read that and I thought to myself, these are the questions and answers. That's what catechism is. It offers a question and then you ritually memorize it. How many times have you memorized a verse and and then it comes to you? It was the ritual routine, the rhythm of memorization that helped you have that stored. And the Heidelberg Catechism reminds me to recognize who I am trusting in. To start your work, you must start with a keen understanding and acceptance of who God is. The courage to accept acceptance. The courage to accept acceptance. Faith and hope equal trust or resting in God. The psalmist says it much better, Psalm 9 and 10. Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, have for, not forso- forsaken those who seek you. So I found my first clue, seeking Jesus the Father and Holy Spirit and clinging to the cross, not having any other God before me, including myself or my husband or my children or my grandchildren or my work or my church or my ideas or things I felt essential I had to do. That was my very first clue, that God was in charge. I do not have any other need but to put my trust in him and seeking the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you're new to modern homemakers, you may not have heard me say this, but I believe we all have an unmanageable habit. An unmanageable habit, okay? Okay. Mm, I like that phrase very much. It's, maybe it's my resistance to everybody having an addiction. But the reality is that in all of us, we have an unmanageable habit. Most of us know what it is. Some of us know what it is and actually speak it out loud. But a vast majority of people do not think they have any unmanageable habits. A vast majority of the human population do not think they have any unmanageable habits. Now, I'm the best of the worst unmanageable habits. And I say that very sarcastically about myself because my unmanageable habit is that I'm a workaholic. I'm a workaholic. But I always say workaholics are the best because we produce so many things. You know, an unmanageable part of my life, it... it, produces something good. Look, it produces a podcast. And thousands of people listen to these all over across the world. Isn't that a good thing? No, it's not a good thing if it's an unmanageable habit. And if in doing it, I am not finding the rest in God. So coming to terms with letting God be God and not me was my first step to seeking rest. I found that notion as I was preparing for today a reminder during this unusual time in our culture, in our world, during this pandemic uh, event that is going on. How is it that I'm not letting God be God in my life and I'm seeking to fix it? One author says that trust, resting in him, means the willingness to become absolutely empty of all terrifying and comforting images of God that we have held so that the gift of God in Christ may come to us on God's terms. God's terms for Donna today, not God's terms for the whole world, but my communion with him. There's a shift that comes when we stop doing we stop working, we start making a conscious effort that we're not in charge, that he is in charge, that his love for us, his plan for us, his abilities and his competencies are greater than mine. Now, I promise you, I've never said, I know more than God, never. But I sure acted it. And I sure have thought it in ways that my actions have proven it. But I've never said those words. I want to give you some practical ways to find rest in Christ in this time we have together. You need to change your mindset. Yes, you also need to change your ways, but you need to change your mindset. Now, I have an old friend. By old, I mean uh, we've known each other for a very long time. Well, candidly, um, we're all getting older, aren't we? And um, she says regularly, when we're making a lunch date, when we're talking about an event, when we're talking about our group getting together for a meeting, she says, if the Lord wills. And I can remember early in our relationship, I, with my workaholic ways and my be a woman of your word ways and other legalistic things that I indulged in, I wanted to say to her, not if the Lord wills, just open up your book and put your name in the calendar can you do it or not? That's a way of avoiding being committed. But as I came to know her and love her, I knew very well that was, those were her words, her routine, her ritual, her rhythm of reminding herself she would do this if the Lord wills because she wants to do what God wants her to do. And sometimes we want to do things we can't do. Anything you want to do right now that you can't do? We're just coming through the Thanksgiving week. We're approaching the month of December. I was giggling with my husband about nothing on the calendar in the month of December. And he said, remember the days when you used to have to give me a free night? (laughs) Ha, 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 And that was true. In our marital life, uh, and again, with my great capacities, he is a quieter man. And I would give him the gift of a whole weekend in December with no activities, no parties, no going to parties, no doing anything but just being at home, being quiet together, being quiet with our family. And so he said, I guess we won't have to worry about that this year if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. Traveling by car. Well, I want to tell you a story, but but before I tell you a story, I want to offer something to you that I have some resistance with. And it was um, a friend of mine, oh, I'm going to say 20 years ago or so. She said, what you need is a breath prayer, a breath prayer. Now, after the new year, I'm going to do a small series on prayer. I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm going to talk to you about how my own prayer life has changed and evolved. I talked to you a little bit about rituals and rhythms of prayer, certainly. But she said a breath prayer. And my very first thought, which was not a pleasant thought, was breath prayers are like fast and easy. We, If you love God, you're going to spend time and pray, like pray. The longer you pray, the better. That was my theory. But I have come to see how this breath prayer helps me be patient. Now, l- let me say this to you. Patience is gained and increased when we live in the present. When we're not worrying about next week, next month, we're not calendared up and so full and the day is just jam-packed. That's when we become the most im patient. And breath prayers remind me of something I know in my head. Is God with you all the time? You're all saying yes, you're shaking your head. Donna, That what, why even ask that question? Well, I'll tell you why I asked it. Because I ask myself the same question. I believe, I know in my head that God is with me all the time. But if I ask you the second question, are you aware of God being with you all the time? I think you'll be like I, like I was, and I'm still. I'm trying to break that routine and remember that my awareness matters. He is not only knowledge, I know he is with me, but I'm aware of it. So these breath prayers help me. So I'm going to give you two breath prayers. The first, so it's a breath prayer because you take it in and then you breathe it out. So you take in, I am. I am made in God's image. Take it in. I am made in God's image. Blow it out. I'm not the judge. I am made in God's image. Blow it out. I am not the judge. And here's the second one. This one I use a lot. God, you are good. And I am good enough. God, you are good and I'm good enough. Now for me that's particularly important because that workaholic thing still rages within me. It raged within me this morning. How many things can I get done? How many things are left undone? What about the things that are still a mess and I can't find what I'm looking for? Well, I just want to remind you of something that the Lord reminded me of and it had to do with how God showed me this this resting While I was working. My husband and I love to take long car trips. A few years ago, we took a long car trip. It's really lovely for me. He does all the driving. I read to him. I knit. We listen to tapes. We roll down the window, sing songs out loud. We talk about all the old songs we love. I take short naps while he's driving. Um, But because of my nature, I want to know where I'm sleeping that night. So... I want to get a room. I want to have a reservation, and that's the end of that day's driving, and I know we're going to get there. And really, my husband understands that, and the older we get, the more we see that that's an important thing to do. But David wants to do as many miles in one day as he can. Does that sound familiar to any of you? And sometimes he looks at the map, and when I say, whoa, how many hours, and should we, and he says, couldn't we just catch a hotel on the way? And I can feel myself constrict just even saying that. I, warning, warning, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Ice cracking, thin ice. You're going to not have a place. Did you ever have not have a place? We've not had a place. That's happened to us. And so I. But I was learning this rest in me And do what you can. And I wanted to honor David because he honors me by making this. He just wanted the freedom to just go. So we did. And I mean we drove miles. And then we got to miles of nothing. And I mean nothing. I mean nothing, girls, like in the West where there is nothing. And I am, am, I must tell you, inside not resting in God at the moment. I'm thinking this is... I'm doing the right thing, but I haven't embraced it. Did you hear what I said? I'm doing the right thing, but I hadn't embraced it. And that's what I think resting in God is about. I learned to do the right thing, even though I haven't embraced it. And in that event, that's exactly what happened. There popped up a sign, literally a sign out of nowhere, and it said, Next exit six miles Last lodging. I've never forgotten the phrase. Last lodging. Last lodging like like, until the end of the world or until the end of whatever. And I I just thought, okay, here we are. We got there. It was clean. It was inexpensive. It even had a bathtub and a king-size bed. Now, I want you to know that I believe that was a practical application for me. I'm not asking you to go out on a long trip and not make a hotel reservation. But what does resting in God look like? Resting in God isn't just stop working, or sleeping, or cessation of activities. It's about resting in Him while the work is going on, knowing that, as my friend Annie would say, if God wills, and He is a great and good God who loves us fiercely. So in this pandemic time, when we are tired, and we're lonely, we're worried about the future, I want to ask you to consider with me in these next days how resting in God's plan for you and your family and your neighborhood and your church and your community and your country would look like if each one of us individually placed our rest in him. I'm Donna Otto, and this is modern Homemakers. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day in finding some rest in God.